Hi, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, Bridging the Gap, Real Estate for Women. When I got a tenant in there, um, again, they were my roommate, right? I was house hacking. So I was living in one of the rooms, renting out. But I'm, I was the best roommate. And the best roommate is the roommate that pays rent and is never there. And so I went to Europe for three months that summer. I traveled all over the US. And I was collecting rent checks that covered my entire mortgage. As a woman in real estate, I know firsthand that women are underrepresented and still tentatively venturing into real estate investing. While that is slowly changing, my goal is to propel it forward. We can do this. I'm Atara Tversky, an attorney and real estate sponsor and investor from New York City. I'm here today with Sarah Weaver. Sarah is the owner of over 15 units, which she manages all from afar. Sarah is also a real estate business coach, where she works with agents to manage their business and scale upward. When Sarah isn't analyzing deals, you can find her looking up her next flight. Sarah is a digital nomad, which basically means she can and does work 100% remotely from anywhere she is at that time. She has traveled to 44 countries on six continents and has been fully nomadic since January 2019. Wow, Sarah, I am so, so excited to have you here. How are you? Thanks, Atara. I'm really good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so I want to get started. I have to say I am so impressed with you and what you've accomplished because like, you are literally fully supporting yourself while traveling the world. So how have you been able to live your dream? You know, not everyone can say that, but you have done that. And I think you would probably say you did that and you can credit it uh, through real estate investing. Is that right? Absolutely. So I first had a job where I could work remotely. And I realized that was great because I could buy the plane ticket to Brazil. But then when I got there, I had to work eight to five and answer to a boss. And if I got invited to go surfing in a nearby town, I had to say no or ask permission to take off work. And so I knew that there had to be a better way. And so I thankfully found real estate investing, started buying what I call boring buildings. I own small multifamily in the Midwest, in Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, and Nebraska. And then I realized one day that I could live off of that cash flow. That's actually unbelievable. Take me back for a minute. When you first started um, in a W-2 job, what was that job? What were you doing? Yes. My resume, Atara, is, is laughable. I mean, I have taught English in South Korea. I had an internship in Munich, Germany. I had an internship with Sports Illustrated in Florida. I have done it all. But when I got into real estate, that was in 2015, I was a real estate agent, so not a W-2 job, but I met a woman who helps real estate agents grow their business. And so when I started learning about how to help agents scale, there was just this light bulb moment that I am so good at connecting people. Like that truly is my gift. And the boss was living in Florida, but about to move to Portugal. She now lives in Spain. And so I finally had met someone that gets it. When I said, hey, I think I want to buy a one-way ticket to Cartagena, Colombia and work from Colombia, instead of being a boss that asked a bunch of questions about Wi-Fi speed, she just wrote, 
cool. <laughs> wow. Like that's your dream boss. <laughs> yeah, she was, she was absolutely wonderful. And so that was um, what I did. I helped real estate agents grow their teams. It was um, a recruiting company. And we also did agent coaching and consulting. And I did that for five years before I took a job in real estate investing. Well, I think what's really interesting and what I want to focus on for a moment that you said is you said, you know, you had a lot of different jobs. And I think that a lot of people with like creative juices and entrepreneurial spirits, we don't fit into a box. So maybe you're somebody who's trying different things, feels like I'm not making this work. I'm not making that work. Is there really a path for me? I can't sit at a desk. I feel like those people really can end up being super successful in business if guided properly. Do you view yourself as one of those people? Absolutely. I, what I even say now is so I, and so I feel really lucky as an entrepreneur. I get to try all of these different businesses to see where do my skill set fit best and where do I fall short? And then is there money there to hire someone who's better at that? Oh, I love that because we can't really do everything. I think this is a common um, problem that is exacerbated in women, right? We feel like, oh, we can do this and we can do that and we can also do that. And that's really sometimes where people's um, downfall lies in the thinking that they need to do everything that they can do everything. And I think once you understand, you know, I'm good at this, this and that, and I'm not so good at that other thing. So I'm going to find somebody who can do that better. I think once you learn that, you can actually become super successful, like next level success. Absolutely. I, I get the question, how does a real estate agent go from 10 million to 30 million or 20 million to 60 million? And the answer is leverage. It's being able to leverage out some of those things that either you're not great at or frankly, you shouldn't be doing. Okay. So let me ask you, so what do you feel? I, I get a huge sense of what you are great at. And I want to talk about that in a minute, but what do you feel like you're not so great at? It's not even that I'm not great at it. It's that I, it doesn't bring me joy and it's ah. anything related to bookkeeping, the things that require you to really slow down. So um, I'm a fantastic writer. I have a journalism degree, but I want to write. I don't want to proofread what I've written. And so the slowing down and the details, that is not where I, I can do it. And frankly, I'm really good at it, but I don't enjoy it. You don't enjoy it. I actually love that it's not bringing you joy. So let somebody else who probably it will bring joy to them, let them do that. And then the synergy will be better. Um, Okay. So let's start with your very first property. What was it? How did you say, okay, I'm going to buy this. Did you come from a real estate background? Like where did this all come from? Yeah, absolutely. So I was living in Denver, Colorado, renting and didn't know what I know now. And so I wasn't able to, what I call now, make the numbers work. Um, And so I was looking in a less expensive city, about 10 hours east of there, Kansas City, which is where I happened to be from. And But I hadn't lived there. At that point, I hadn't lived there for, gosh, eight years. And so, but I just, I could make the numbers work. You could buy something under 200,000 at the time and rent it for close to 1800. And so my very kind of basic knowledge of analyzing deals at the time, I was like, great, I'm going to do that. And then I paired it with house hacking so that I could benefit from the lower down payment um, using an owner-occupied conventional loan. And I bought a 1942 Cape Cod in Prairie Village, Kansas, a, a name so cute I couldn't even make it up. <laughs> 
It seems very picturesque. It really is. It's like this adorable Cape Cod um, in a really nice neighborhood. And I took the entire upstairs down to the studs. Had you had experience doing that ever? No, no, it was, it was a lot of YouTube, a lot of tears and a lot of help from my dad, um, physical labor. Uh, there was no financial help, uh, but he really did step it up and he was there every week kind of giving me pointers and helping me on what to do. Oh, wow. Amazing. So that, that actually probably enabled you to do that very first house, knowing you had at least some physical actual support. Absolutely. Yes. And, and that was, I, I, I always call it like you're, you're handed a certain deck of cards. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone has a different deck or a different hand, I should say. Right. And in my hand was someone in my family that has construction knowledge. But if you are listening to this podcast and you're like, well, good for her, her dad's super handy. My <laughs> dad's not handy or no way he would help me. Then maybe you have another card in your hand. Maybe you're really good at analyzing deals or you're good at raising private capital or you, you make a lot of money. If you're a high income earner, who cares if your dad can help you just go hire a handyman. Who's probably a little more helpful than your dad. So you literally, just to be like super clear, you didn't actually hire a contractor. When you say I took it down to the studs, you mean I, Sarah and my dad took it down to the studs. Yep. On Christmas day, 2017, we literally had, I mean, I had a hammer. I had a mallet. I had a crowbar. (laughs) That one was cool. I felt, (laughs) I, I felt like a badass with a crowbar. I and hope you yeah, videoed we, this. No. Oh my <laughs> gosh. My, my, my ability to create great real estate investing content is like nil. So that's something else. That's something else I need to hire out. Yeah, that's um, my, my entire Instagram is just travel photos. Cause I'm good at that, but <laughs> right. the ability to like tear things down and create a beautiful time-lapse video. Oh gosh. Like props to props to all of the real estate investors that have fantastic social medias. Cause right. mine is lacking. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I, I hear that. Well, you're kind of like in the thick of it. And so you can't like think about holding your uh, phone at the right angle when you got a crowbar in your hand. So I get yeah. it. <laughs> and also Im- imagine my dad, like, come on, get to work. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So how long did it take you to remodel that very first home? We did it so fast. I sometimes don't even believe how fast we did it. I had a tenant in there nine weeks later. Wow. I can't believe that. That's unbelievable. I I can't either. And so it was a lot of planning. Um, That was the, I think also it's the power of having just one because now there's no way I would be that organized or or have the ability to schedule contractors and in the perfect order, you know, and the dates all work out. And so that first deal went so well. And after meeting a lot of real estate investors, I always think, man, I'm so grateful that it went so well because look at what happened afterward. I decided that I wanted to go do it a ton, like over and over and over again. Whereas if it had gone poorly, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. That's actually really true. I think your first experience in real estate can really determine where you go from there. But I want to say to everybody who doesn't have a great first experience, because that really often happens, is that you just have to get through that bad experience because there is the house after that, or the multifamily after that, or the storage units after that, that will work out. So you just have to push through the bad time. Absolutely. So did you thereafter, so you, you buy your first house, it's going pretty well. You get a tenant in, it's lovely. You live there. Everything's great. Take us to your, to your next experience. So now you think like, okay, I, I can do this. Like I have proof of concept, right? 
absolutely. That was the coolest thing is when I got a tenant in there, um, again, they were my roommate, right? I was house hacking. So I was living in one of the rooms, renting it out, but I'm, I was the best roommate and the best roommate is the roommate that pays rent and is never there. And so I went to Europe for three months that summer. I traveled all over the US and I was collecting rent checks that covered my entire mortgage. And so like a light bulb went off. I'm like, holy cow, this is working. Um, And it took me still another year and a half to buy something else. Oh, And so, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't completely enthralled with real estate investing at the time, Mm -hmm. which is exactly how I would describe it now. I mean, I'm obsessed. I've, I've written two offers in the last two days. Wow. What was holding you back at that point? You know, I was traveling Europe, just being a 27 year old. Right. You didn't think maybe, maybe it's that you just didn't think like, I I can't really do this full time. Like this is a good side gig, (laughs) but I can't really travel and do this. I I bet that was part of what the thinking was. Yeah. And it's funny. Like, I don't even look at that year and a half as like, oh, I was being held back. I just was enjoying my life, which is, which is, I think what I see in a lot of real estate investors is that they say, oh, I need to make 10,000 a month before I buy the plane ticket, or I need to have like a million dollars in the bank before I quit my job, or I have to have all of these things before I go live. And I'm thinking, life can change so quickly. And what if that never comes? And then you spent your entire 20s and now your entire 30s and maybe even your 40s and 50s waiting for something that may never happen. Well, I I think that's such a powerful point just across the board. Um, no matter what we do, is just to really understand um, to live your most meaningful life in the moment. Because waiting for that next thing, well, that next thing could happen or not, or it could happen in a different way than you thought it would. So you have to like figure out your here and now and make that the best possible. And I think from there, other things flow. Like when the energy is open, other things that maybe you didn't anticipate that are equally as good as what your laid out plan was, but just not anticipated could really work out, out great. Yeah. And, and that's exactly like when I think back of that time between my two deals, I bought a one-way ticket to Argentina. I spent nine months living in South America. And then the company I worked for got bought by another company Thankfully, they recognized my skill set and they started putting me on a plane and putting me on stage and in front of real estate agents, speaking to real estate agents and brokerages at conferences and at brokerages. And so I was, I was frankly living my dream life. I was getting paid to travel and paid to speak. And so buying another property was frankly not even crossing my mind because I was having such an amazing time. Wow. So that um, you're speaking to other agents, is that where the idea for the business that you now have, is that where it started? I think that that is where I got the confidence for public speaking and the connections with real estate agents. It wasn't until I owned multiple properties that I started recognizing finding an investor-friendly agent an agent who works with investors is really difficult. And and then finding agents who also invest in real estate is even harder. And so that is really where the idea for my business came from is I am determined to help real estate agents become work optional or retire early through investing in real estate. Okay. So tell me a bit more like 
I understand what that means, but how does it practically manifest itself as a business? Yeah. So it's interesting. I think a lot of investors and even people not involved in real estate assume that real estate agents will, of course, they know how to calculate rent and analyze deals and tell you if a property is a good deal. But the truth is, is that they don't is that the average real estate agent doesn't know how to calculate cash on cash returns. They don't know what to look for in a rental property. They don't know how to place tenants or manage their assets. And so that's what I do is I teach them the nuts and bolts that they need to grow their own real estate portfolio. Very interesting. So is it a, like a several week long course? How does it actually work? Absolutely. So I have three different options. You can work with me in group coaching, which is frankly, I think the most popular and you get the best results because you're with me for 12 weeks. We meet once a week for an hour and we do three weeks on and one week off. So the program takes 15 weeks to complete and you're in there with real estate agents from all over the country. And so it creates this really great referral network because for those of you that don't know, if a real estate agent refers Susie to go buy in a different state with a different agent, that agent can get a referral from the other agent. And so it's a really nice way to make some passive income as well. And and then that's my group coaching program. And then the other thing I'm most excited about is I host these intimate retreats for real estate agents. And so they can join together with other people who are interested in investing in real estate, interested in living a bigger life, and they can come and learn in person. Wow. I really like that. And I like the idea of um, the group where you can interact with one another, because I think you learn so much from just others who are similarly situated. So I think that probably makes um, your, your coaching class really powerful as well. Absolutely. And then once I see who's really committed to purchasing deals, which is most of the entire class, then I'll pair you with an accountability partner who has the same level of dedication and commitment as you do. And then the two of you or the three of you can meet, I recommend at least every every other week, if not every week. And that is has absolutely helped these agents grow so much faster. Interesting. The idea of accountability you're saying, which is kind of when you're checking in with somebody else and when your goals are not really amorphous, but more concrete, I think that probably makes such a difference in getting them um, achieved, right? And absolutely. Well, I, I met you. I met you at a conference, and so so I have a question for you. When you left that conference or, or any conference, how, how do you feel? Like, how do you feel when you leave a conference? Well, that's such a great point um, that you're even asking me this question. And the answer is, if it's a good conference then I will have left saying, wow, I met some great people. And that's really what it's about for me, just what we're saying, which is connection and people that I can speak to about the ins and outs of what I'm working on, what they're working on, bounce things off of them. So I think it's all about connection and it doesn't have to be a ton of connections. It has to be a few good connections. Absolutely. And so what I found is that people go to the conferences, they get great connections, and typically they get a notebook full of ideas and they leave motivated and they have all these new ideas. And then you go home and what happens? That's it. You move on with your life. You forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, real, yeah, you, 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 your email inbox has been waiting for you because you've been at a conference. And so what I found is that I 
felt like when I attended conferences, there were two things that were missing. And you, you absolutely hit on one thing that is absolutely there, which is connection, which I think can go even deeper when you do these intimate retreats. But the two things that I think are missing is you don't have accountability. And oftentimes you're not given a clear strategy. So you go to a conference and they're talking about funds and syndications and short-term rentals. And you could, you could go over here and do this other thing. And you leave being like, it all sounds so good. But now what? And you, <laughs> exactly. And so what I'm doing with these retreats um, for both investors and agents is really helping them have the joy of the conference, which is connection and the people craving connection and community. Those are the people I'm looking to serve. And then you also have accountability. accountability and strategy tied in, because I think that's so important. And frankly, those are the three things that led to my success is great connection, great accountability, and then a really great strategy that I was crystal clear on. Like follow-up. That's great. So do you own only um, like triplex, fourplex, duplex, or are you venturing into, into larger multifamily space as well? Great question. So the goal is to venture into larger spaces. What I have now is I have 19 units. It's that one single family that I first bought, like I told you. Mm -hmm. And then since then, it's been all duplexes and fourplexes. And you're managing everything from wherever you happen to be at that time, right? Oh, yeah. I am a a mower or a landscaper, I should say, has texted me while we've been on this call. (laughs) I love that. But now if your properties are scattered all over, which um, I imagine they are, So then you're dealing with multiple different service providers and vendors, right? Like you have to have a landscaper in Kansas City and one here. And so that's hard to juggle, is it not? It is. It is difficult. And I think if anyone tells you otherwise, I I don't know what they're telling you. Um, It is difficult. And I always, at the end of the day, when something happens, like a tenant ceiling fell through, which happened two days ago, I always remind myself, and everyone's fine, she's safe, everyone's safe, is I always remind myself like the hourly rate that I'm getting paid to deal with this problem is very high. (laughs) Right. And it's not scalable. So I will be the first to say that I have to let go of my property management sooner than later, or I'm not going to be able to scale. And so I'm fully aware that I'm in a place now that I don't want to be in in a year. Right. But I guess what you what you're saying and the takeaway that I'm hearing is, well, it beats having a job sitting at a desk where I have to, you know, account to someone. So that's really the upside that you're getting. And and it feels like and it's not for everyone, but it feels like you're saying and someone, you know, like me would say, you know what, I'll take it. I'll take the the landscaper texting me and the toilet guy texting me because at least I'm still doing the things that I love to do. Absolutely. I am sending a text message to a landscaper sitting out on a patio in a villa in Antigua, Guatemala. Wow. Okay. So how'd you get there? How'd you get to this place? Yeah, I visited I visited Guatemala back in January with um with my business partner and one of my companies. I own another company where we furnish Airbnbs for investors. Uh-huh. And her and I thought it would be a good idea. I think we should have a business meeting, but we should meet up somewhere because she lives um actually she lives in an RV traveling the US mm-hmm. and I live out of my suitcase. And so so we so we met up in Guatemala and when I walked into this villa that I'm in right now, I knew immediately that I wanted to have my next retreat here. So are you just somebody who has always craved adventure as as a child? Was it difficult for you to sit in a classroom? I ask because I think there are a lot of people who who would really 
um, take a lot of positivity out of uh, your journey. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's really interesting. I I always say I kind of wear two hats. I was the absolute like girl with her hand up first in class. School came very easy to me. I was an, I was a straight A student and I always knew that I was going to have this grand adventure. And so when it came time to apply for a university, I applied super far away until I saw the price tag. And then I wait, I said, Oh wait, I forgot. Like my parents don't have money. So I guess I have to go here. <laughs> go there. And I, I went to the universe and I went, I went to the, exactly. And I went to a university only an hour away. Um, but I never went home. Like not, not one summer in between um, semesters. Did I go back and live at my parents' house? I studied abroad that first semester, which I got completely paid by scholarships because I've always been very savvy with money and knew that there were opportunities out there. Um, and so there's always been kind of two sides and it's, it's interesting. My, my friends think, okay, it's so you're so driven and ambitious, but you're also like this hobo gypsy lit up, live out of your backpack. Right. It's, there's two sides to, to you, which there's more than two sides, but it sounds like there's two really strong, almost seemingly contradictory sides, which is what's so fascinating. Um, even to hear you say that you were a straight A student, because in my mind, and I say this in the, in the nicest of ways, like I'm thinking, oh, you probably really didn't like school. You couldn't sit still. You couldn't um, focus on what was going on. Your mind was dreaming about other places, but it sounds like that really wasn't the case. So that makes you even more interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And so if there's someone out there listening who is feeling like they just want something different for their life, and it doesn't have to be travel, like, trust me, I understand a lot of your listeners are going to have families and children and responsibilities and duties. And so buying a one-way ticket to Brazil, <laughs> it's, right. it's just not even, probably not even interesting to any, to some people, right? Um, but if there's something that you've always wanted to do, and maybe it's like, take a Muay Thai class or like revive a hobby that you used to have five years ago. Like, I guess I just really beg the the listener to live their life the way that they want it to live. Yes. Yes. Well, that's what I really, when I um, talk about real estate and, and real estate for women is really understanding that real estate is about the power of time, that when you invest your money properly, you now have time to do the things that you love to do. And I think that that cannot be said enough is we really need to make time because that's what life's about. Absolutely. And we only have so much time. Like how, how many people are blinking saying, oh my gosh, it's going to be June or July, like next month. And then when I talk to anyone 10 years older than me, 20 years older than me, they're like, you wait, girl, it just goes faster and faster. And so I'm telling you, we only get so many trips around the sun. And so if there's something that you want to do in your life, go do it. Just do it. Absolutely. So tell me about your design services, that company that you have with your partner. Yeah, it's really fun. We help investors launch their Airbnb or medium term rental. And a a medium term rental is a 30 day or more rental. They tend to be for traveling nurses, but they can be for anyone. And so we help investors go from vacant to launched. We will um, do a curated design for your unit. We will write your house manual, your listing description, get you listed on Airbnb and Furnish Finder and everything that you need in between. And so we have now done 19 units in nine different states because we can do it remotely. 
um, some of our clients choose to save on our services and use us to furnish the place or do a curated design. We ship all of the items to the unit and then they or someone that they pay put the furniture together. And so it's wonderful. Last time I was here in Guatemala, I got a call from one of my very favorite clients. We have done seven units for him. And he had a unit that he wanted furnished in way too little time. I'm not even going to say how many days because <laughs> I don't want to set expectations. Um, but like I said, he's one of my favorite clients. And so we made it work and we furnished a unit in Detroit, Michigan here from Guatemala. Wow. I, I can't believe it. But I mean, it's it's amazing that you've been able to do this. And it sounds like, I mean, now we're in a world where everyone is learning to work remotely, but it sounds like you've been doing this uh, way before COVID. So really hats off to you that, that you actually got this going and now it's just a way of life for you. Yeah, absolutely. I have not worked in an office since <laughs> I love that. 2012. I love that's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of awesome. So what's your favorite place? Um, and I'm not even going to say all time because I'm sure you have many, but like in the last few years, what comes up in your mind is like, that was such a great place to live in. Yeah, I love, there's this town in the South of Mexico called Puerto Escondido. And it is, I heard it's absolutely different than when I visited. So I visited in 2019. And why I mention it is I assume a lot of your listeners are in the US and it's easy to fly there. It's absolutely stunning. And it's just a little more, not a lot more, but a little more off the beaten path than your Cancun Tulum. And so I really like Puerto Escondido that the food and the ambiance, the energy, the people, everything is amazing. Um, and then somewhere that I'm really excited to go back to that I haven't been to in a really long time is Portugal. My, my, my heart is in Lisbon. I love going to Portugal. Yes. I've been there. It's quite a lovely city. So now your family, do they think this is a strange way of life? Do they encourage you to do it or wish you would come home? What's the, what's the feeling among your family members? Yeah. Oh, I'd love to have them. We should have them as a guest. I would love to hear what they actually say. <laughs> Let's get the um, real inside scoop, right? Yeah. I'm very lucky because, um, so I am single. I don't have kids and I am 32. And a lot of my peers that are in a similar boat, they have their parents, you know, tapping their wrists saying, okay, like, when are you going to settle down? I want, I want grandkids. And those are not my parents. My parents are like, girl, we just want you to be happy. And we think you're wildly happy. And they want me to have an amazing relationship and an incredible marriage. And so they're like, you do whatever you need to do. And they, they have been really supportive. They think it's quite cool. So that's really nice because again, you're talking about like you're living in the here and now, which is not to say, you know, it sounds like you do want to eventually end up married, maybe with kids, maybe with, without them, but this is your stage of life for right now and it's working. And so your parents are supporting that, which makes you beyond incredibly lucky because like you said, so many parents would be urging um, you to move on to what they consider the next stage of life, which is, Absolutely. you know, that's, it's different for everyone. So I really like that. They're not doing that. Absolutely. My mom's going to be appalled that I tell this story, but she texted me the other day. She was like, when do you go to Guatemala? And then when do you go to Argentina? 
And I was like, Argentina. I was like, mom, I'm not going to Argentina. She's like, oh, well, it starts with an A. And I'm like, wait, you mean Antigua, which is in Guatemala. And so they're always making me laugh. But frankly, if you ask them where I am, they have no idea. They have no idea. <laughs> they're just happy to hear from you no matter where you are. Yeah, they're, yeah they, they say we like it when you post on Instagram because we know you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So how are you going about um, investing? Like, buying properties from afar? Like how do you scope out your next um, territory? Absolutely. So I narrowed down a handful of markets that I was interested in. And I get this question all the time. Everyone's like, what's the best market? What market should I invest in? They're in a world where we can Google everything. Like we can Google best headphones, best computer, best place to have Indian tonight. Like we can Google that, but you can't Google the best market. It's going to be so dependent on your needs, wants, criteria, how much time, money, and energy you're willing to put into a property. And so for me, I narrowed it down to a handful of markets. And then I didn't have anyone sending me deals. And so even though I loved a particular market, Kansas City, I wasn't getting anyone sending me deals that met my cash on cash requirement. And so I had to look elsewhere. And so I ended up finding an incredible investor-friendly agent in Omaha, Nebraska and Des Moines, Iowa. And they both consistently send me deals. And that's why I consistently buy properties there. Ah, Okay. So you're not sourcing off-market deals as much as just working with the right agent. And they are off-market. They're, they're found by a real estate agent. Okay. So they're, they're, so you're working with somebody who's then funneling things your way. So that means you don't have to physically be there. But at some point, if it's a new area, aren't you going to say, you know, I think I should go visit and see if this looks like it does, you know, on Google Earth? No? Yeah, I have visited every property that I've bought, but not before I bought it. I was going to ask you, was it before you bought it? Okay. No, no. no. Sometimes, I, sometimes I visit a property that I already own and I go, phew, I'm really glad I like this. <laughs> Or else, you know what? I could sell it if I don't. Not the end of the world. Exactly. (laughs) Right. I think that, you know, you have to obviously be smart about the investments that you make. But what it sounds like you're really good at doing is kind of rolling with the punches and understanding that nothing needs to be permanent. If it's not going to work out, you'll maybe take a little loss and move on. And the next thing will be right next door. And that's what that's how I think people who are entrepreneurs really see things, because even if you go to the place and you visit it and it's perfect and the multifamily looks amazing and all your inspections come out great, things are still going to happen that you didn't anticipate. Absolutely. And I don't want any of your listeners thinking that I lose money though. I mean, come on. <laughs> that's not why you're in it. <laughs> you could be nomadic without buying property if that's what you wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I buy really good deals. Um, the the last couple properties I've, I bought, even just this year, I'm not talking about 2017 numbers, but in 2022, I bought deals that are 26% cash on cash. Wow, that's really unusual and amazing. So I'm curious your, your thoughts on the market as you know, um, the economy evolves, changes and interest rates go up. Are you being more cautious? Are you slowing down? Are you waiting to see what happens? Are you full force ahead? Great question. So I have written two offers in the last two days. And so if that tells anyone I'm not slowing down, 
However, I am only buying really good deals. And so with interest rates as high as they are, you the deals that worked at 3% interest rate might not work today. And so I'm using the medium term rental strategy where I go in, I furnish the unit, and then I rent it to either traveling nurses or corporate housing for 30 days or more. I'm able to maximize profits this way and create great cash on cash, whereas as a long-term rental, it might not work. Right. So that's a, a different strategy. Well, I, I love that because it's a creative way of looking at things. And you know, you don't only need a year lease to do well. So I, I think you have to slice things differently as things change and evolve. Absolutely. And here's the thing with interest rates is that they have been this high in the past and investors have made money and they will likely be this high or higher in the future and maybe not forever. And so if an investor is throwing their hands in the air saying, never mind, I'm not buying anything. I mean, look at prices. I mean, buy something that makes sense. For me, I'm a cash flow investor, so it still has to cash flow. And I'm going to buy things assuming that the things will go up in price. My tenants are paying down my principal. It's, it's still a good time to buy. And your interest rates, are you looking at um, interest-only products, um, fixed products? Like, What are you really looking at? Um, yeah. Most recently, I have been using um, partnerships. And then they are using a conventional loan with 20 to 25% down investment property. Um, I've also looked at commercial loans and purchasing in my LLC. I have used hard money and private money and then refinanced out of that um, using the Burr strategy. I'm really, I'm a huge fan of investors spending time doing what I call putting tools in their toolbox. So when you look at a deal, you can say, hey, can I do seller finance subject to wrap mortgage? Can I do conventional? Can I do commercial? Is this a hard money, private money, a flip, a buy and hold, whatever it is. I think having that knowledge is one of the best things that that an investor can do. Absolutely. Do you ever raise capital? I have. Yes. Okay. And do you do that on your traditional deals? I'm what I'm liking to do is I want less cooks in the kitchen. So I don't want there to be 10 different investors that need to hear from me while I'm at the stage that I'm at right now. So I just I just admitted to you that I'm texting my landscaper. So I don't feel like I'm in a chapter in my business where I should also be raising a big fund and serving 20 to 30 investors I at one that. time. I get that. But but is that where I'm the direction I'm going? Absolutely. Yeah. That's for the next stage. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> so excited. That's why real estate is so cool because as you've seen with my nomadic lifestyle, like I love change. I thrive in change. And what I love about real estate is that it's always changing and I'm changing as an investor. No, it's it's a constant um evolution of who you are and really learning like how your skill set can also change and how you have skills that you didn't realize you have and how you find out what you love and what you don't. So I think that that's what makes real estate exciting for a lot of people as well. Absolutely. Well, Sarah, it has been really exciting talking to you because I, I can't think of like a better word that describes you, like having met you in person. Also, you really have such an amazing energy about you. And I think uh, it's really nice to meet people like you who are living their dream and, and living their most meaningful life, which I think you are. 
So thanks Thank so you. much for coming on. Thank you. I so, so appreciate it. And, and what I love about what you said is that I absolutely think it's true. And I don't want anyone to think that I don't get frustrated and that I don't cry sometimes (laughs) (laughs) because, Oh man, real estate investing is not for the meek and weak. Right. Right. Well, but that's why you said, you said so many smart things. And one of them was like, you need a community around you. You need people that you connect with who are doing this as well. And that's how you get through things is like-minded people. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't do any of this on my own. I, the real estate investors, if you're feeling like an island or you're feeling lonely, which I know a lot of you are, build a community. Yes, absolutely. Connect with one another. Well, I am really, really happy to have connected with you. Um, and I'm excited to see your next adventure and the next place that you're going to. How long are you uh, staying put and where are you going next? Yeah, this is really fun. I'm here in Antigua for a whole month. And so I got to unpack my suitcase and put my clothes on hangers. And that feels really good. And then after this, I'm kind of going on a speaking tour. I will be speaking at Invest HerCon in Charlotte at the end of June. And then I'm speaking in some Keller Williams brokerages in July in San Francisco. Oh, amazing. All right. Well, everyone tell us where you can be found so people can reach out to you. I know they're going to want to. Absolutely. The best place is Instagram. My handle is Sarah D Weaver. And it's always good to ask me if you ever chat with me, always ask, where am I? Cause it's usually somewhere different. Yes. That's the most exciting part. Well, thanks again for coming on. And I look forward to keeping in touch and seeing where you're at. You'll come back again. I hope with your, your larger multifamilies. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Bye for now.